Hey, hey, we're your hosts. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Jonathan. And we believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give to yourself is the gift of wholeness through integrating all aspects of what it means to be human. And in this podcast, we're bringing you insight, information, and inspiration to move from a stressful to stress-free life. Your journey to becoming even healthier and happier starts right now. Welcome to Wellness Theory, the podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to today's show. Today I'm really excited because I'm joined by a former professional athlete and osteopath who combines his experience with healing arts to help people develop a healthy relationship to the stresses of their pursuits. Ryan believes that meaningful work comes with a certain level of stress and he is so right on that. I'm completely in alignment with that belief as well, which is one of the reasons why we have this podcast. But Ryan is shining a spotlight on the powerful question of how do we then achieve what we care about without sacrificing our well-being so we're going to look forward to diving into that answer with ryan today thank you so much for being here ryan how are you i'm doing very well thank you for having me charlotte excited to be here i'm excited i i really enjoyed our kind of pre-call before we um obviously come on today to, to speak on on the show on recording um but you're the kind of guy ryan that I know we could have probably pressed record when we had that intro call and just continue to talk about all of the things that that are really intriguing. And one of the things that I really loved that really drew me to to you and what it is you're doing is the fact that you said one of the best sports psychology books that you've ever read was Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now which for anyone listening is, is not a sports book. So I really yes, want to talk yeah. that with you. But before we do, can you let our audience know a little bit more about you? Yeah, yeah. So likewise, our, our conversations have always been like right from the get-go. It's been so uh, so nice to talk to somebody where there's somebody, so many parallels, it seems. And so, uh, yeah, it's great to be here and great to talk about this stuff that I'm so passionate about, as are you. Um, and yeah, so my background, how I arrived at the work that I'm doing now is essentially, yeah, growing up, developing as a, a young athlete in Canada, spending a lot of time playing ice hockey and having a certain amount of ambition around that. Um, and really, you know, having a certain way of pursuing that ambition in my life, which was, I would say in that like period of my life of like training for sports was like my approach was like grit and bear it and like really just do the necessary work, but like not enjoy the work at all and just like get through it as fast as you can, as hard as you can and just like contract as much as possible. And that meant like, you know, essentially like I was approaching life, like I was approaching the way I played hockey, which was like brace for contact, you know? (laughs) And that served me really well to a degree, uh, to a certain point. and then eventually I realized that, you know, there were other challenges in my life that I, that I had to face that that approach really didn't serve me well, whether it was healing from certain traumas or challenges in my life or just like approaching, you know, work and, and professional life after sports, like entrepreneurship and things like that. And it, it's not a good idea to, to brace for contact as you try to do your taxes. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. And not only is it not necessary, but it's counterproductive because not only, uh, you know, does it, does it affect your ability to do the task at hand? But for me personally, it also affected my, you know, my willingness to do the task, knowing that it was going to feel kind of crappy while I did it. 
when I approached it that way. So even consistency with working out, uh, like I said, healing certain things, you know, I had to heal like, uh, like concussion, for example, like you cannot contract your way through healing something like that. You really cannot. And so uh, I really had to learn a different approach to both healing, but also performance, because I was like somebody who always, you know, had ambition. But then, you know, reading things like Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now, sometimes I confused that ambition with the thing that was causing me strain and stress and grief and like the things that, so like the ambition was the problem, you know, and that was a misinterpretation of a book like that. So then I've come to learn now, like full circle that the ambition is not the problem. It's my approach to the ambition. And so it's like, how do I keep that ambition? I think that's healthy to want to do good things, do big things like achieve and accomplish and all those sort of things. But again, can I do those things now? without having to lose myself in the process, without having to contract my way through it and, and allow myself to feel good while I do it. Um, and so that's my background. It's like a, a full spectrum of sports and uh, my undergrad is in history and I studied osteopathy. So I've like, I'm, I, I'm always kind of circling in, in different areas, but like the common thread that I've, that I've been able to see in hindsight is I've always just kind of been interested in, yeah, the human experience and how we can make the most of it and how we can, you know, enjoy this, this ride that we're on. Mm -hmm. um, and so drawing from, you know, history and also health and wellness and fitness and athletics and all those sort of things and spirituality, even mindfulness, that, that sort of thing. Those things don't seem like they go in the same box, but really it's just all to like, how do we enjoy this ride? Really? That's my, my central question most of the time. I love that. I love it so, so much because it's, you know, that I, well, I know there's a journey that's got you to that question, you know, is like, how can you enjoy the ride even more, you know, because sometimes it's not so enjoyable and we've got to find almost like a sense of purpose within that to be able to sometimes mm -hmm. get out the other side. I find it really interesting what you said around like bracing for contact. Now I know you was obviously talking about it in the, like, you know, the sports side of things. I've never played ice hockey, but it looks brutal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> I thought I skating for fun and that's about it. Um, yeah. It looks absolutely brutal and it also looks very like stereotypical, manly. You've got to be strong. You've got to use force. And to then be like bracing for contact and that then transferring out into other areas of life, I can really resonate with how that would be from a stress perspective. So if anyone listening, when we like, brace for contact or we are contracting is the word that you use when we're contracting we're, we're in our stress response most of the time or we're preparing for something right and of, often it's a protective response isn't it it's like a, a mechanism that we have in play and I can only imagine how that would then impact something like relationships for you as well and that must have been a huge part of your adapting to <laughs> to other areas of your life while still trying to achieve in that space as well in in your in your sport this is why I find it so fascinating that you've now gone from this high achiever person that perhaps maybe didn't even have an awareness of mindfulness and how to open and like when to open and when to close when to contract when to expand and a lot of our listeners including myself I've been here too I've not even known that I've been contracting and mm. and that's when it trips you what's well, when it tripped me up the most it's like okay just breathe relax like <laughs> slow down just for a second are you like closing down and protecting 
for a reason? Is this warranted? Is it unwarranted? And I almost had to go through all of that to to be able to then ask questions like how do I achieve and do something meaningful and keep my sense of sanity at the same time and joy and peace and that can sound so extreme for somebody that's maybe in it and is bracing for contact so Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about what was bracing for contact like for you and how did you perhaps learn to move into expansion rather than contraction Mm -hmm. yeah beautiful question and uh, you phrased it so wonderfully there and one of the things that you said is like, uh, you mentioned like the stress response, right? And one of those stress responses can be that contraction, right? It's a very common stress response. Um, and so even like if there's pain present, any sort of discomfort, any sort of uh, uncomfortable emotion even, but like say it's an injury even, uh, sometimes the response to that stress is to clench, to hold, to brace, you know, um, and rightfully so in, in, the, in the acute phase. But in terms of stress, and that stress response for me that the thing that I've found, and there's a wonderful book about this, it's called the stress prescription by Alyssa Apple. I think I'm getting that right. We can correct in, in uh, afterwards if we need to, but what she talks about is she actually kind of redefines this idea of stress. And in our culture, in our world right now, stress has this reputation right now. It's like, like this brutal thing that's terrible for our health and all this sort of stuff. And it's true to some degree, but it's not, that's not the whole picture, right? because there's actually some positive things that come with stress as well. So for example, in the, I'll use a hockey game, like the, my, my bracing for contact. Right. And so once I started reading a book, like Eckhart Tolle power of now, or even another book, uh, that's not a sports psychology book, but uh, Victor Frankl's the man's search for meaning. Just for anyone so, right now, that is one book that every human being has to read in their lifetime. You have to read it at least once. Um, and I'm not somebody for telling people you have to do this, but that is one thing that I truly believe in. Sorry to interrupt you there, Ryan, but I just had to say it. No, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. And I'm glad you highlighted that because it's been a book that of all the books, like it's right up there, of the things that have like positively impacted my life. And in that book, one of the key principles in that book is he talks about, you know, life happens, you know, stuff happens, stress happens in many ways, stress, he doesn't phrase it this way, but in many ways, stress is inevitable in our lives, right? So the opportunity is not to avoid the stress, which is something I tried to do for many years, I was either contracting my way through it or avoiding it completely, and neither really got me to good places. But he said the opportunity is like the freedom lies within our response to that stress, right? And so you're talking about the stress response and that's the key is like, because what I learned playing hockey, you said it's a brutal game and it is, right? And so sometimes it's tempting to contract your way through it. But if you can learn to just be like present and find that flow state, you can reach an experience that you don't, that's not accessible on the comfort of the couch. You know what I mean? So that stress actually brings a really good thing if you can harness it, if you can not let it overtake you, you reach like, you know, peak levels of presence and attention and all this sort of stuff. And so that's another great book of flow. Like how do we achieve that flow? And one of the precursors to that flow is stress, right? And so what's bad about stress? Okay, chronic stress, stress that's beyond our capacity to handle all that sort of stuff. But what we can do is we can actually train our response to that stress 
so we can benefit from it. And it can actually be a fuel for achievement, a fuel for accomplishment. But in order to get there, we have to build a relationship to it, right? We have to engage with it and we have to learn how to handle that like volatile fuel because it can be overwhelming. It can overtake us. That's how traumas happen is if there's, there's too much stress for what we're able to handle and it's too overwhelming and, and, and it, it's too yeah, traumatic for our system. And, but we can develop our system to like handle different levels of it. And, and, and then once we, you know, like whether it's sports like hockey, then you can enjoy the intensity and the pace of that game. And it's all just kind of like you're fully present for it. And it's this beautiful dance. Same thing with entrepreneurship, right? When like things are moving and shaking and you're like, you're making the, the deals and all these sort of things. It's like, there's a lot of energy there, right? But it's a real skill to deal with that energy, to be able to recover from that energy so that you can handle more the next time, not get stuck in the energy, not let it overtake our system. And, and like you said, not get stuck in that stress response of whether that's contraction, whether that's avoidance, whether that's distraction, whether that's, you know, coping in any, any other ways. Like how can we build a healthy relationship to that stress so we can use it and, and, and have it be a, a helpful teammate rather than like a destructive presence in our lives? I really love that. And I love the way you've described it as building a relationship with it, almost like it is part of you, it's part of your life experience, at least. And if we're not responding, we're reacting, right? <laughs> so we yeah. all have this this choice. And mm-hmm. some I, I remember being really stressed and somebody telling me that stress was a choice. We actually did a podcast episode on this like long time ago. So probably like a hundred episodes ago for anyone listening that wants to go look it up. But it was um I, I remember thinking like people are gonna be irritated by by that being said if they're in it and i i was that i i was i was like how can this be a choice and then when i started to actually understand the relationship of stress in my life and whether i was perhaps getting the the results that i wanted in different areas of my life or not that was when i was able to actually look behind the curtain and be like okay what is this stress thing because it's clearly not going away like what's going on here and in my head it wasn't I didn't name it stress. It was just like these things that were happening. It was overwhelm. It was anxiety there, but I probably wouldn't have labeled it because I was actually quite disconnected from the way I felt and, and my feelings uh, due to past traumas and things like that. So one of the things I'd love to know from, from you, Ryan, because you've also got experience as an osteopath and you talk about healing being a skill and mm. you must have some really great insights. And I know that you do in and around that mind body connection and how mind body practices can really help us not only heal and obviously reduce stress but how we can utilize that to help us to thrive Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so osteopathy is this for for those that don't know it's it's this this branch of of medicine that's you know it it varies from country to country and depending on where you like in europe that's it's very popular as like you know manual therapy in the us it's more of like a proper like medical school approach sort of thing um but the consistency of it all is like in the philosophy of how you're treating healing and so it's the way i was trained is like body work so manual manipulations using my hands to try to heal the body of the person that i'm that i'm working with but the philosophy that that really attracted me was this, the guy who, who founded osteopathy, his name was Andrew Still. And he studied with like, you know, indigenous tribes and their approach to medicine. He also was working with like, you know, more advanced sort of medical approaches at that time. And he kind of married both. And he came to this idea that like, one, that the body is an interconnected unit. 
and not only just the body, but like the mind, body, spirit, right? And so you're treating the body, you're treating the other two as well. You're treating the other two, you're also treating the body. And so that really attracted me. He also, there's another like core philosophy of osteopathy, which is that, that the body has an amazing ability to heal. And when I first started engaging in osteopathy, first started studying it, I was finished playing hockey. And so I was kind of healing some of the effects of contracting my way through, you know, 26 years of playing contact sports. And this approach really spoke to me. The first treatment I got and an osteopath, an osteopath treated my liver. First time anybody any, like manipulated an organ or anything like that. And then I realized like, oh, my back pain could be coming from somewhere other than my back, right? So all the massages <laughs> I'd gotten previous and all that sort of stuff they weren't working, it didn't take into consideration that I'm this entire being with a visceral system of organs, a nervous system of my brain and spinal cord, all these sort of things, right? And so that really started to kind of plant the seeds in developing this idea that I often talk about now that like healing is a skill, right? So if, if our bodies and we as interconnected beings have this ability to heal, that is an incredible ability right? How do we tap into that and actually practice it, right? And a lot of the times it is fighting that temptation to like contract our way through pain or distract our way through injury. Like oftentimes it's uncomfortable, like having the awareness of it first and then being able to take the necessary steps, asking our body what it needs, you know? Um, and just like, it's really this, this practice of self-care, which is a trite term we hear it everywhere right but at the end of the day it's like this really important practice of are we meeting our own needs whether that's physical needs emotional mental psychological all these things and the better we get at that the better we get at healing mm -hmm. so then we take on a stress and it has an impact on us we can recover from that because we've developed this 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 skill of taking good care of ourselves meeting our needs, recovering from that stress, being able to stay open and not contracted so that that internal process can take place in our body, like what it needs to heal, because it has that ability to do so, is to be given the space and the chance to do so, right? If it never has that space to go through that process, get into the rest and digest, go into that, that fully recharging state, that requires like calm and safety and all that sort of stuff. And sometimes our environment provides that, but sometimes our perception of our environment provides that as well. Right. So both are really important things to consider so that we can recover and heal. And again, like the, the greater we are at that skill, the more we practice it consistently, the more we can take on without having to sacrifice our own health because we can, we can take it on. We can recover from it. We can grow from it even. Yeah. If that all makes sense definitely makes sense it's something that is it it isn't addressed enough as a, as healing being a skill because it sounds like and i'm talking obviously very generalized here if you look at things like social media and even in some books it can all sound a bit woo woo the word healing even though it's been in medicine for a long time <laughs> you mm -hmm. know there, there was an intention that medicine is is healing right um mm -hmm. and it can be in many ways, obviously. Um, but mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting what you said about the our perception of our environment can sometimes be the thing that 
triggers our response right that causes us to close or that allows us to open and I, mm-hmm. I i would argue that in the western world most of the time it is our perception that is causing a lot of the issues and now again that's a generalization but i think that perception and your awareness of how you are perceiving the world around you can be the very thing that shifts whether you're actually showing up in that grounded open state now like you said earlier you know some stress is important and it's really good for us but there is this stress that makes us close when there isn't a need to close that's when it becomes a challenge um and one of the things that i've found particularly useful because i'm a classic person for getting stuck in my own head and almost like disconnecting from the rest of me unless i'm keeping up my practices it's very easy for me to kind of go off which is why i'm so um pedantic about doing doing my things that i need to do and that varies as to what it is but one of the things that i found for for the intensity of thought and sometimes the 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 closing that occurs because of the thoughts that I'm having is just simply having the awareness of where that's showing up in my body. The minute I realize, oh, I'm, I'm in my head a lot. And I normally realize that because there's tension in around my temple. Mm. So you probably see my brow frown a little bit. Like I'm just deep, intensely thinking about something, like usually problem solving something. Um, mm-hmm. but that is a, a, a closing, right? Like that tension that I'm experiencing is a closing. So just the awareness of that and be like, okay just relax that part of your body immediately the thoughts lift and it's like okay I'm back <laughs> um mm-hmm. and not like literally go anywhere I'm not that dissociated um, but in the sense of knowing when to open and I find mm-hmm. that that for me as an example is like a cue to open so mm-hmm. I'm just wondering from your experience what are some of the other cues that maybe people can look for within their body their mind their heart their soul that allows them to shift from this space of tension or contraction or closure into more open state to be able to then do those reps on that healing skill and healing muscle that we all have Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no and and so like the practical is important right we can talk about it all day long and like have the theory around it and that's all nice right but then like (laughs) we need both yeah we need the practice we need the awareness as well right and so this is the thing that I'll admit too. Like it's 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 a difficult thing to practice. Even this morning, I I have butterflies coming on the podcast. Right, it's like not something a little bit out of my norm. A little bit nerves present. Um, so like, what do I do in this case? Right, and what do I suggest to the people that that I talk to? Is like Tara Brock, who is a mindfulness teacher. Um, she has some wonderful content on you know on podcasts and things like this. But she often uses this acronym called Rain. Okay, which is like a mindfulness technique. So RAIN, recognize, accept, investigate, and nourish, okay? It can be a long process. It can be like a, you know, you could sit down and have sort of like a a meditative practice around something like that when you're recognizing stress is present or like some of those tendencies that you're mentioning around your head and whatever. And then it just allows you to kind of make the connection of like, oh, when I'm thinking this way, this is what happens to me physically. And then there's a link there between that and my symptoms. You know, so then that's like the bridge between the thought and the symptom, right? And so that's a practice where you can sit with it formally. But then the more you practice it, again, here's this with this word practice, right? The more you practice it, the more, okay, so you first, it's a good idea to practice it in like a controlled environment, a place where you feel already, it it feels safe, it feels comfortable, it feels like you can kind of dedicate some mental attention to this. But then eventually you take little 
progressive steps, just like you would in the gym, right? You progress a little bit with, with the difficulty. And then to the point where you are in the boardroom in front of, you know, a, a group of executives, you're about to give a presentation, lots on the line or whatever. And you have this sort of tool where it's not like you necessarily have 10 minutes to go through it. Yeah. But there's a, underlying sort of tool or technique that's already been really well developed that you can catch it oh my eyes i'm feeling that tension here and then you're already recognizing accepting investigating nourishing but it's like more of a momentary thing all the way to the point where you feel nourished at the end you feel hey it's okay you got this like you've been here you've done it a little bit of like that positive self-talk oh i'm nervous oh it's because you care so it's because you care it's not because you're you know not prepared or anything like that acceptance okay this is this the stakes there's there's something here that matters to me my performance matters right i can accept that investigate yeah this matters this matters so i care i'm like present and there's stress present but then again that can all be done in a moment when it's well practiced right when it's something that you've already spent time developing and like the steps between like your room with your journal and like that high stakes environment is there's many different practices. How can we intentionally engage with stress? Whether that's like cold exposure or heat exposure or exercise. Exercise is a physical stress, right? So when we exercise, can we exercise? This is really kind of my way in with most of the people that I work with. When we exercise and we're faced with physical resistance, can we meet that resistance with, you know, good technique, good form, and not have to clench our jaw and like squeeze our eyes closed, you know? Can we just like gracefully move it around? You know, almost like a martial artist would, you know, move energy as opposed to, uh, I don't know what the opposite of that would be, but like it was probably what I was doing. The grunt, the grunts in the gym, right? Everyone, yeah, exactly. Everyone who's ever been to a gym would have heard the guy throwing the dumbbells on the floor or making the noises. We've all heard it. <laughs> exactly, and and some of us, myself included, have have been that guy. And so, uh, <laughs> I mean, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so again, it's like those are the those are the things that we can practice that skill of like you know, bringing ourselves from like a reactive state, like you talked about into like a, a nourished, calm, composed state. And uh, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. But the more we practice it, the better we get at it. And and the more we the better we get at it, the, the more we can do it in like high stakes situations. This is how people that like, have like really stressful jobs yeah. can handle that stress is because they've taken that progressive sort of overload approach you would hope right that or they end up exactly burden, which is yeah exactly which, which is which is because there's lack of awareness often of um like what to do on those mind body practices fortunately it's becoming a lot more um accepted and a lot we're becoming a lot more conscious to be able to lean into those practices for anyone listening by the way in case we get to mention it if you do want to listen uh, or learn more about the rain technique that Ryan's just described, go and uh, read anything from um, Tara Brock, uh, Tara Brock that you just described. Yeah. Her, her book, particularly uh, "Radical Compassion" um, mm -hmm. and "Radical Acceptance." Radical acceptance, yeah, 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 which is really, really critical. And the compassion piece, I find actually quite interesting as part of that as well, because we have to before we can really do the practice, we have to have enough compassion for ourselves to say something might need my attention here and to approach it with a less 
just explore free of judgment rather than I need to do something about it because there's something wrong with me. And often, Mm -hmm. you know, those narratives compete and there's almost like this war going on. And it's really important to just know that it's okay. And everybody experiences the butterflies for a podcast, especially when it's like early days and it's it's out of your comfort zone, right? And say when you was talking, actually, uh, a memory comes to mind for me. I was doing a, a talk. It was in a cinema. So they'd hide out the whole cinema. Um, and it was one of the first live in-person events um, that I'd ever publicly spoken at. I'd, I'd spoken in front of groups and I would teach a lot, kind of maybe like, 30 people was probably the, the maximum and then all of a sudden it was like like 300 people it was a big cinema even here in Dubai and uh, I, I remember I just remember that though those feelings it was like whew, and I literally had like a few seconds really to just like pull myself together and, and get on with it because the person that was speaking before me had some tech issue so I had to go on sooner so it mm. almost like whatever I'd visualized or whatever I thought was going to happen didn't happen uh, yeah. and it went really well because I'd done the reps right Mm. even though the feelings were present I'd done the reps I I knew how to breathe and come back to myself to be able to show up in that way um Mm -hmm. and 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 I'm so grateful that I did in that moment have enough compassion to say do you know what just breathe through it and you you'll figure it out you know you're you're gonna do it regardless and Mm -hmm. have enough compassion to know that about yourself and to at least be open to that idea I wouldn't be where we are today with our business and our podcast and everything that we do and the events that we host and run. Probably if I hadn't have decided in that moment to to regulate and to step into courage and do that, maybe I wouldn't be here now. Maybe I would have retreated. Maybe I would have withdrawn. Maybe it would have taken me even longer to get to a point point of confidence to be able to do that. So I I completely Mm -hmm. resonate with the way you've described it, that the more you do the reps, the more you can lift heavier weight, right? The more you can actually start to um, show up in those higher stake situations, which I'm curious to know for you, Ryan, like what are your mind-body practices that you do personally when you find yourself perhaps in need? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So just real quickly, just to extend on what you're talking about too, is like, I love how you're talking about the reps, right? And in that example that you gave, and th- there's another great book uh, by Brad Stolberg called The Practice of Groundedness. And in it, he talks about this idea of compassion and discipline, both existing together. Oh, I need to read and this. And so, <laughs> oh, it's an amazing book. It's been such a game changer for me. It's such a good antidote to like the hustle and grind culture that's so prevalent on, on Instagram and social media and all this stuff. And so uh, it was such good medicine for me. But he, uh, he talks about this idea of compassion and discipline. So what you're talking about is you had both in that, in that example, and it allowed you to be successful in that, in that difficult challenge. Right. Um, But without the reps, you can kind of compassionately accept your way through just about anything, but then you might not be very happy about your performance. Right. That's the discipline that gets you there, the discipline. So, but if we just discipline ourselves without the compassion, then we're never going to be satisfied. It's kind of like this self-hatred fuel that we're just like, I, I need to be better. I need to be better. It's never good enough. Like, like that's discipline without compassion sometimes, right? When both of them exist together, you have an example like what you just talked about there. And so it's such a good model, what you're talking about in, in that regard. I'm definitely adding that to the top of my book list um, because that is something that I find um, still a bit challenging today, I think, to be honest, because I'm very much a go, go, go. Same, same. <laughs> and, and, and I don't like to, like, not even lose, that's the wrong word. Like, I don't like to see um, that I could be somewhere else, <laughs> right? Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. I don't think I'm describing it particularly well, but, like, I 
know that I can do better in so many other ways. However, Mm. even though that sense is present, I know that for me to be able to truly do better and be better and to still be here smashing it 10 years from now, I need to put the brakes on. And that's where the compassion Mm. piece comes in. Whereas before the the compassion piece wasn't there. (laughs) It was just discipline gonna go you're gonna do it and you're just gonna like just keep going until until you're done it's like where where and until I pause I'm like where are you trying to go like <laughs> and I had right. this conversation with myself and and learn compassion and what that what that really meant and yeah. I, what you're sharing here is like really really important so I'm, I'm definitely gonna be um looking up that book and giving it a read because I think that causes us to maybe like fall off of what what you talk about and what Eckhart talks about is our center this is something that we talk mm. about our clients so i'd love for you to talk about holding center and what does that mean so i know it's a big part of what you what you do and what it is you talk about as well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly and so so this idea of center is like it's something that i heard about you know in like spiritual practices or like spiritual texts and whether it's Eckhart tolle or uh like the Tao Te Ching or like it's it it typically was like associated with some of these ancient eastern philosophies that that I was reading about and it always sounded like like a great idea like a great thing it's a center right like it sounds perfect and then also um but it also felt like something that was kind of like well it's like eastern like it's very not our culture but then I remember I was watching uh the the docuseries the last dance which is about the chicago bulls and like that whole dynasty michael jordan scotty pippen all those guys and and then i heard their coach uh phil jackson who is a very spiritual guy but also like you know this this white guy from california i think like from somewhere in, in the u.s and he's telling this dynasty like these like alpha dogs like dominant like amazing incredible greatest of all time athletes in like between halftime like find your center, stay centered, like be centered. And it was just like this thing clicked for me where it's like, oh, wow, this is like not just something that existed that I experienced when I was like traveling through Southeast Asia and like, you know, in like the yoga barn in Bali and like that sort of thing. Like it it can exist in sports. I was like, what? This This is a game changer for me, right? Because I'd always been kind of one foot in each world almost like a clock like in the closet about like you know the spiritual practices and mindfulness and that sort of thing like when I was in the hockey dressing room right but like I said at the beginning or you mentioned at the beginning that Eckhart Tolle book like really changed the way I experienced my performance on the ice as a hockey player uh not only in terms of like improving my performance but also improving my experience of the performance it was so much more fun right um and so I was like, okay, how can I integrate this idea of centeredness or like mindfulness into performance, achievement, accomplishment? So it's not just about like what you're talking about with the compassion and the discipline existing together. It's not just about like my goal is never to be on the mountaintop, accepting everything as as is and like finding enlightenment that way, right? I still very much wanted to be a part of the world that I lived in. I didn't want to... Uh, I didn't want to leave the Western culture that I grew up and left in, but I also did want to kind of go about my life a little bit differently than what I was seeing around me. Um, and so this idea of centered is like, what I describe is like, how do we give ourselves to the things that we care about, whether that's performance and work, whether that's showing up for our families, whether that's 
you know, you name it, whatever performance means to you. It doesn't have to be athletics. It doesn't have to be business. Performance exists in just about anything we care about doing well, right? So how do we give ourselves to those things without losing ourselves in the process, right? How can we stay connected to ourselves and enjoy the ride, enjoy the experience of pursuing whatever we care about? Um, and it's this idea of centered. And so it's, it's, again, it's, it's similar to like the practices and some of the techniques that we've talked about, like the rain technique, right? Is like, okay, we can let the stress of that cinema that you were in, let that overtake you and you start to lose your center. You start talking really fast or you forget your lines or like you get overcome by the, the, the weight of it all, right? That would be like a loss of your center. But what you talked about, how you handled it was like a wonderful example of how you practiced staying centered, performing from a place that was centered, right? So it's this idea of like, how do we stay in our center? How can we expand our center so that it, like we can even handle more stress? Uh, how can we build a little more resilience in our center so that like when stress arises, we don't get overtaken by it. We don't lose ourselves in the process, whether it's our health, whether it's our performance, we can maintain both of those things yeah. and face the stress that's necessary in, in getting there. Yeah. Uh, do you know, it's, it's interesting you say like in that um, stressful cinema, and it's like, you, I found my center. I found almost my center. <laughs> there, okay. was, there, there was still like this, like a, the adrenaline was still there. And I think what's interesting is the, the way we describe this to our, to our clients as well. And it really like, leads on from what from what you've just shared there in terms of like that experience of being in your center and building that out so you, you become more resilient is that we look at obviously having our center point but then having these extremes that we seem to go on if you can imagine like a pendulum um and mm -hmm. on one side we have um essentially the, the 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 negatives right we have like some of those darker days whether that's experiences that happen in your life whether that's emotional whether that's um like in the thoughts that you're having there's almost like this dark side of the pendulum and then on the other side there's this like extreme like i don't want to say like just light as being the polar opposite but almost mm -hmm. like a, i see it's like this bright yellow in my mind it's like it's almost like it's this pure beautiful white light but it's not it's almost like there's too much of the other extreme going on and we see this a lot with like toxic positivity um there's mm -hmm. about a lot at the moment um and we have these extremes that are going on all the time right it's like if we're, if we're on a high then amazing we, we want to stay there and actually we're chasing that dopamine more than anything else so it's like mm -hmm these two things in polarity and that sweet spot i think for longevity and optimal performance comes from that center point and that's where i believe the true light is where that white clear clarity is um that's where it belongs it's when we are able to see both sides and almost observe it rather than being mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you don't feel the good and the bad it just means mm -hmm. you have a a, a ability to be able to zoom in and out in order mm -hmm. to be able to navigate those situations or those emotions or your life experience at that time and I'm curious to know from your side like does that resonate with um like kind of those extremes and where the center point is mm -hmm. absolutely I'm so happy that you brought that up because I think it's such a like such an important point in like really understanding what centered means because again my interpretation of it for a long time was that like if I'm feeling stress I've lost my center yeah that's what but, I the, but the 
Right, exactly. So anytime I was feeling any sort of stress, I was like, I'm failing at this like spiritual thing that I hear about all the time, right? But really, it's just more about like, okay, I can recognize that stress is present. And I can create space from that. So I don't have to react to that stress. Or I don't necessarily have to do anything about it. It's like you're talking about that observation that you're practicing, right? So it's like, okay, stress is present. And I don't have to distract myself from it. I don't have to numb it with any sort of like self-medicating or coping or anything like that. I don't have to like blow up my life or like, I don't have to be so reactive. I can just observe it and recognize what's it here showing me. And then even like the, the darkness that you're talking about, it's like, again, centered doesn't necessarily mean blessed out. Yeah. Right. Cent- centered sometimes means like you're in the darkness or you're like feeling depressed or sad or grief or like things happen. We lose people in our lives. We lose a job or opportunities. Like we, there's disappointment, all that sort of stuff. Centered isn't not feeling any of those things. Centered is having space from those things so that like, when there's when there's uncomfortable emotions present, whether that's grief, whether that's sadness, whether that's anger, whether that's uh, frustration, any of these uncomfortable emotions, right? We don't necessarily have to push them down, or you know, this is like a, re- a response, like an uncentered response to those emotions would be like addiction or avoidance or like you know chronic distraction or anything like that like that's not centered right that's like okay there's these things present that i have to like do something about have to change whereas like that practice of acceptance that sometimes it's it's darkness same thing on the other end of the pendulum you're talking about is success yeah right we can lose our center getting wrapped up in our own success indulgences and celebrations and all this sort of stuff there's nothing wrong with celebrating our success but like if it's that chasing of, of the dopamine, chasing those states, judging the other end of the spectrum and only, you know, valuing this side, then that's also a loss of center. So I love your description of the pendulum. I think it's such a useful thing and, and a great point that you brought up that it's like centered isn't like blissed out and everything's roses. It's like, no, there's the whole spectrum. I love the way you've described that and reflected that back because uh, our listeners would have heard us speak about the pendulum before but I think you've really articulated it beautifully because I always used to think as well you have to do something to move out of those extremes right so mm-hmm. to not be in the darkness you have to do something to mm-hmm. um, achieve the thing that you want that you're chasing you have to do something right you have to act mm-hmm. and like that's almost all you see on like social media and things like that and that in itself can be quite toxic. I used to think you had to do something, but that was like so far from the truth. I had to actually look at who am I being in the process. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. been one of the most powerful shifts for me is like, actually, if I'm caught up in doing mode, then I'm already off my center. (laughs) Yeah. I'm already not there. Whether I'm stressed or I'm like happy as Larry, like, do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's no, um, that I'm already off my center if I'm having to do something to create that. Because that mm-hmm. shows me that I'm far from my intention. Is my intention mm. to almost like stay in that middle ground somewhere? Don't get me wrong, like I'm human. We have those extremes. We swing all the time. It's our awareness to the swinging that brings us back to our center to be able to do the reps to keep moving forwards, right? Um, mm-hmm. But the that center point, moving into who it is I'm being, I found the way to almost access that is through intention. Mm-hmm. So. I, I will ask, but every morning I'll set an intention as to 
who who am I being today? Like what part of myself am I calling upon today for whatever it is that I need to to do? <laughs> but it's not the doing that's driving it. It's the who who I am and how I'm showing up. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, do you feel that intention plays a big role in staying centered, or do you feel like there's other pieces of the puzzle that maybe I've, I'm I'm missing or yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well no certainly I love this this idea of intention and it's it's been so important in my life for sure and sometimes just in terms of like if we're if we stay like with the idea of of performance or like achievement whatever we want to call it um intention and I also really highlight and use the word with my clients like priority right like what's the priority here and how that works is like same as intention, right? And what happens is when there's clarity around that, then some other things become a little bit more sort of well-defined and and some things you can let go of some things. So if I give an example of like personal fitness, right? What's the priority for someone who like, a, if I'm working with someone where they're like, I want to feel good in my body. I, I want to be like sort of... Uh, consistently free from pain like free from pain is sort of not like realistic but i want to consistently feel pretty good um and i also want to spend lots of time with my family and i want to perform well at work right so it's like okay if that's the priority if that's the intention to be like a a present father a healthy man and also actively you know taking care of their performance at work well Okay, that might mean that you're not going to be an ultra marathoner. Okay, so we're going to let go of that. You might not like, okay, realistically, what kind of time do you have to dedicate this? You might have like three hours a week for like weight training. Okay, so there's a certain ceiling we're going to get to, right? Are you going to be like a fitness model, for example? Maybe not. So we might let go of that sort of standard for ourselves. Right. So here's where the intentions and priorities can help us let go of things so that we don't have to judge ourselves too harshly. So you talked about choice. I don't know if it was at the beginning of the podcast or before we were talking about, but when it's like when it's a choice that, okay, like I'm going to have maybe 13, 14% body fat. And that's good for me. That's great for me. But it might not mean that I'm going to have like the washboard abs that I see sometimes on Instagram. So when I'm flipping through Instagram, I'm, let go, I'm letting go of that actively because I'm choosing more of a balanced lifestyle. Maybe one day there's an opportunity where I, I have more time to dedicate to my personal appearance and fitness. But for now, I'm letting go of that and I'm accepting that this is kind of where I'm at. So sometimes like the feeling good, that is the goal or the priority. Sometimes it's letting go of certain standards as much as it is about chasing such a standard that might not be realistic or fair to expect from yourself with all the other stuff that you've got going on in your life. So when there's clarity of that intention, clarity of that priority, it can really help our mental approach to it. Because if we're chasing something that's never going to be achievable for us, we're never going to get there. And we're always going to feel lesser than because we've never got there. But recognizing like, is that even a fair expectation? So like, what's my intention? And then sometimes it's like the defeatist approach too, like on the other end of it. Like if we're never going to get there, what's the point of doing anything at all? You know, and so that intention or that priority, my intention is going to be like, I'm going to be a healthy present dad. I'm going to show up at the office and care about my coworkers and employees. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of my body as much as I need to, but 
only to a certain extent because I only have so much available time to do that. That intention helps bring that clarity and, and purpose and then helps some of the other like shame or guilt that we that can creep in because of other people's standards. If we're comparing our priorities to other people's mm-hmm. as we flick through our social feeds, that can be toxic, as you say. So and I don't know if that's clearly about intention, like you asked, but super clear because that's a really great practical example that anybody listening can take away as well. And I love the way that you linked it to, to the letting go. Because I think sometimes in order to let go, we have to let something in. Um, mm-hmm. And when we are letting our own standards in, it's much easier to then say goodbye and let go. Because you say, if you say in the example that you just gave, that like the the guy getting the washboard abs, you know, he's not going to let go of that idea if he doesn't have something else to to internalize mm-hmm. and, and place it with. So really resetting your own standards. I hugely powerful. That's actually something we do with clients at the end of their coaching experience when we get into that their future proofing stage, what we call it. Um, is they set new standards for themselves. And they normally they realize that they've actually been living those standards for a while until they like through the coaching process, then all of a sudden like, whoa, these are my standards. So it's almost like a, oh, I'm already here and I'm already doing this. Yeah. Therefore, it's yeah. like extra boost of confidence but setting new standards for yourself i think is actually really underrated there's a lot of talk out there of like values and i i'm a massive like advocate for for knowing your values being aligned to your values and living in your values but i think sometimes we confuse values with standards and i think that in itself can create a lot of stress also what's your thoughts on that yeah, no, I think I, I, I fully agree with everything you said. And I, I just think that it's, again, a mindfulness practice of like recognizing what's true for ourselves, right? And that's a, a way to stay connected to ourselves, right? Whereas if like, if there isn't a mindful observation of what might be true for ourselves, then again, it's easy to adopt what's true for our culture, because it's really like we're bombarded with it at this time in history, right? Like it's all over the place. There's like, there's no shortage of inputs of what fitness looks like or what performance looks like or what success looks like, right? And if we don't take some time to define what's true for ourselves, what those standards or values are, then we adapt someone else's that might not actually fit well with what we're, what we're trying to do, what's available to us, what, what the task is at hand in our lives. Um, and yeah, and so this is this is something that I, I work with, with people do, to do too, is like, how do we answer that question? Sometimes if we, like, we answer it with our mind, sometimes it's slippery as well because it's taking in all those inputs, right? But if we answer with maybe practices of more like checking in with the body, right? Like, so when was the last time excitement was present? What were you doing? When was the last time enjoyment was present? What were you doing? Like the body is so honest and reliable. Like it doesn't play tricks on us, right? Like it either enjoys something or it doesn't. It's either excited by something or it's not, yeah. right? The mind is like, well, you should be excited about this. You should be excited about this. Like, you know, uh, growing up, like I thought this was success or like Instagram shows me that this is success. Like that's what happens in the mind, realistically. And at the so same we can- time, we're contracting, like we spoke about in the beginning. So couple those two things. <laughs> massive melting pot of stress yeah exactly physically contracting like mentally maybe projecting shame or guilt that we're not there or whatever and it's like maybe it's not even a fair assessment that we're measuring ourselves up against right 
And so like, is the game we're playing even one worth winning or like when we want to win? Right. And so it's like, that's where the clarity and the intention that you're talking about can really help us to like, sometimes we're doing better than we think, <laughs> you know, we're healthier than we think, we're better than we think. That is the truth. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So can we melt away some of the shame that's following us around and just enjoy like what we've got? Like me personally, like I've got a healthy body and like, you know, because maybe I don't have the definition I once had, or like, I didn't have like the athlete, like the professional athlete body. There's still like, I'm still got a great vehicle here to enjoy this ride, you know? And like if I layer guilt on it because it's not like what it once was, it ruins the ride a little bit. And so, uh, so yeah, sometimes the the path to feeling better is not even just about improving the vehicle. It's just like improving the driver. <laughs> I like that. I love that. I yeah. Love that. And except being accepting of where you are, you know, it's mm. one thing to strive for something, but not whilst you're in judgment to where you are now, right? And I yes. think positively or negatively, I think just being accepting of where you are, whether that's good, bad, ugly, wonderful, average, like it doesn't matter just like accept yeah. like um you, you see this a lot when it comes to, to weight loss you know somebody wants mm. to lose weight or get in shape um and every time they look in the mirror they give themselves a hard time because they're not there yet it's like well hang mm-hmm. on <laughs> how about mm-hmm. we love ourselves and continue on this path right yes accept ourselves if love is a bit of a stretch right now how can we just be accepting of where we are and still have the confidence that we're moving and we're building that um, self-respect and self-trust with ourselves because we keep showing up in mm-hmm. um, honor of those goals. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really resonate with what you said at the beginning of this conversation where you said that you almost felt like ambition and peace. Uh, you didn't use the word peace, but were almost mm. like conflict. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that because I think that's, it's almost like everything seems binary now, right? And and like, you've got to yes. be on the side of the fence or that side of the fence. Who are you? Are you going to be this entrepreneur or this like CEO and climb the career ladder? Or are you going to be the the Buddhist monk that goes and sits on top of the mountain? It's like, it's like, it's that, right. no. And obviously that's just a very broad example, but like there's mm-hmm. so much where we almost restrict ourselves from thinking there's only these two ways. And I just yeah. want if it's just all one beautiful thing and <laughs> i'd love to hear your thoughts yeah no, i love the way that you phrase that where it's like ambition and peace are they conflicting things or can they coexist and i think that again this is where like in that brad stolberg book that we talked about the practice of groundedness the thing that i love most about that book is he offers so much nuance Right. And that's why I think it's such an antidote to like what we see is like, this is the answer. No, this is the answer. And there's like so many competing philosophies. And like, what if both can be true at the same time? Like, is it possible to want to improve and progress and like grow and also be satisfied and and at peace with where we're at? And I think it's possible. I don't think it's easy. It hasn't been easy for me. It's still not easy for me. I'm still not there. But when I, actively practicing to 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 have both of those things where it's like the compassion and the discipline at the same time it just improves my experience so much because growth feels good but shame doesn't right so if growth comes because of shame and like self-hatred and like all this sort of stuff then the growth doesn't feel as good right the growth will you could grow to be the giant that you envision is possible and it might not feel good because you're the shameful giant exactly right but can we be the peaceful giant? 
the giant who's continually growing, but is also like enjoying who they are at all times, you know, being at peace with who they are. And that's been like the, the biggest thing for me is like, yeah, I'd always just try to like accept who I am and be like passive, right? I'd really practice acceptance. I'd really practice that end of thing. And, and then sometimes like that would be, that would actually be avoidance in disguise, yeah. right? And it's not acceptance. I'm actually avoiding anything that's uncomfortable. Right. But then there's a times like we talked a lot about at the beginning where I was like just grinding my way, trying to be better, grow faster, whatever. And that didn't feel good either. So it's like, can both be true at the same time? And that's what feels best is when they are, when they are both present at the same time. Uh, yeah. I, I, th- I think that is something that has taken me a long time to be accepting of that these mm-hmm. things can coexist. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think there was one pivotal moment that things shifted. I've always had like an intellectual understanding of the polarities that exist and that mm-hmm. you know, there's not just two sides to the coin. There's the edge as well. You know, like I've, I've mm-hmm. understood it, like mm-hmm. get it, but I didn't kind of get it, get it until probably the last couple of years. And that doesn't mean I practice it like, <laughs> and everything's just completely imbalanced. Um, but it's sure. just, like, there's almost this, this visceral knowing that actually that all of this is true or all of it is false like do you know what I mean like how are we ever going to know like which one stresses me out the most to think that you can only have this or this or experience that or that or actually to just know that everything's as it is and (laughs) it's all welcome Mm -hmm. and I think yes it's all welcome it's been a massive learning curve for me especially when it comes to like emotions and things like that like it (laughs) and it's funny considering like what what I do um Mm -hmm. But one of the things I think I'm not sure if I mentioned it to you today um, is like I was quite dissociated with kind of like my body and how I was feeling about things. Like I could tell you what I thought I felt, but I couldn't necessarily mm. believe it. Um, and that mm. that's a big part of me, uh, my healing journey. And it was alien to me that I could feel peaceful and frustrated at the same time, or mm. excited but anxious, like. I know chemically, mm-hmm. like uh, they're one and the same, but like, but to know that there's like these subtle flavors of both happening at, at once, and to know that you know on one day you're gonna experience all of the emotions and the whole spectrum, and knowing that they're all okay, that is mm-hmm. probably one of the most powerful lessons. Just knowing that it's all, it's all one thing, and that it's all mm-hmm. okay to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure why I ended up going down that route now. <laughs> what you said. Well- by the way ryan our listeners hopefully will know by now <laughs> no 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 but but just to add to that I, like i love what you're saying too is that like it's possible for those things to exist like frustration and peace and there's this there's a, a buddhist concept of like the two arrows where the first arrow is maybe the frustration right and like life happens life is frustrating sometimes right so we get hit with the first arrow that one's like the hard one to avoid right but the goal is to avoid the second one. And the second one is like the shame and judgment about the frustration, right? Oh, look at me frustrated again. I'm not spiritual enough or I'm not fit enough or whatever. Like that's the second arrow. And that's what I would say is like uncentered. Like you can be centered and frustrated, but centered and ashamed, like that, that's where we kind of lose our center. Cause then in the shame and the guilt and the reaction to that, it's the response to the first arrow is the opportunity, right? 
Um, and that's the Viktor Frankl thing. It's like, that's the opportunity is the space between stimulus and response. What we do in that space, how we respond is whether we avoid the second arrow or not of like the shame and the judgment. And that's where we lose our peace is through like those, those judgments of ourselves. That resonates a lot. And it's, it's funny, we say something similar around thoughts, right? Yeah. First thoughts optional. The second one isn't, um, yeah. Do Mm -hmm. we, we, you know, to follow the thought of I'm not good enough and go down that rabbit hole? Or do we choose to actually provide ourselves with the evidence to say that we are, you know, and that actually there's so much proof of this in our life, you know, it's so easy to to be able to respond when you're in that space of awareness, though. What would you say to somebody that maybe has got both arrows, right? They they miss the chance to respond. The second arrow is is there. The shame is hitting the heart. What does somebody do in that scenario that's listening to this? Mm-hmm. yeah well in many ways i'm speaking to myself when i talk about this because <laughs> i'm certainly getting hit with that second arrow constantly and so again it's like even like there can be a third arrow about like oh i judge myself there right <laughs> so it's like it's really just about breaking the cycle then you get out of the path of the arrows <laughs> right so it's like it doesn't matter how many arrows hit you it's like can you just break that break from that and it's that's the thing about just like creating space Right. Can you just create space from the fire in the mid? Right. And so it's not judgment about that it's happening or anything. It's just recognition. So it's that first step, first part of, of rain. It's like, oh wow, I'm getting hit with some arrows here. <laughs> and then the, the next is like, okay, like I'm I'm something's happening here where like there's a real reaction going on. That's the acceptance, right? Investigation is like, where are these arrows coming from? And maybe there's no answer to that, but like is it, are the, uh, is the arrow actually backfiring? Like, is it coming from me? <laughs> you know, am I firing the arrows? It's going to be my is next it, question, right? Should we not be begging the question? Is it who's firing these arrows at us? Where are they coming yeah, from? Yeah, they're actually just boomerang arrows. <laughs> <where he's> like, <laughs> and so again, you, you can be a playful example, but, uh, but then it's just creating that space. It's that like wise observer kind of like, okay. And then the last part of that reign is like nourish, nurture. Like, okay, I'm going to stop shooting arrows like if you if through that process you recognize that you're not only getting hit with the arrows but you're also shooting them then it's like it's less about getting out of the way and more about ceasing fire right and so it's like let's just okay let's actually be a little more kind to ourselves let's start like taking some of those arrows out let's bandage ourselves up let's like give ourselves a little bit of that love and care mentally instead of like you know, crapping all over ourselves and just firing, firing, firing. Look at all the stuff you're doing wrong. (laughs) This is so on point. Um, I think everything you've shared today so far has been really, really useful and insightful and kind of thought-provoking. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy speaking to you. Um, And especially like kind of unscripted as well, because it just just flows. Like I had no idea we'd end up talking about arrow-firing shame and whatnot um, but I think it's it's really a testament to the work that you've done for yourself clearly but also um, the work that you do obviously out in the world day to day with the people that you work with so tell us Ryan what um, what's it like being you what does life look like through your eyes mm. wow what a question what a great question um Yeah, this is a really nice way to kind of integrate everything we've talked about, because on some days, life is beautiful. 
you know, here sitting, talking to you, you are across the, the globe. What a miracle that we're able to talk and, and not only talk, but like be on the same page and like really share a lot of values and things like that. Like I have an ally in you that lives across the globe. And as I look beyond my camera outside, like I have these, I, I live in nature and my life has changed a lot in the last two years. Uh, moving out, we live on a homestead now. We used to be city dwellers. And so like life has, has really changed a lot. And it's very much been like the life I've dreamed of for a long time. You know, we have a, a baby on the way, we have a, a dog that we love like immensely. And like our home is really full of love. And that's really been something that has been, you know, a work in progress for me, uh, going through a lot of difficult life things that it's been a journey to get here. And so sometimes that's how I see it. Other times, oh God, we're so isolated out here. And like, I wish there was better restaurants nearby and like all this sort of stuff. So as we've talked about, you know, throughout our conversation today, like, what's it like to see life through my eyes? Well, it depends when you ask me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, and so life is, is beautiful. And it's also difficult. Um, and it's all, it's all part of the ride. It's all part of the experience and trying not to get caught up too much in, in either way, in either viewpoint uh, has been my practice has been my work um, and it continues to be, <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. It will always continue to be the work for, for, for pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for such an honest answer to that question. Um, congratulations again on your little one being on the way. I've no doubt mm. that you're going to be an incredible parent. Um, honestly, like your level of awareness and your energy and everything that, that you, you just bring when you show up is is super, super powerful. So I have no doubt that your loving family is just going to continue to grow and create a ripple effect um, in and around not only where you are and the work that you do, but to anybody listening to this episode, there's so much value in it. Before we go, is there anything else that you feel our listeners need to hear from you? Mm. Well, yeah, thank you for all your kind words. I mean, that's, that, that's so nice to hear. And, and it's so nice to hear that that's how I'm being seen now. And that's like, you know, how you uh, receive this conversation. And, and to the listeners, I would say that like, whatever success they might feel coming from me in terms of my personal journey, uh, so much of that awareness that you talk about, so much of that sort of philosophy or like where I've arrived at in at this place in my life that in some ways has been very successful personally to overcome a lot of stuff but a lot of it came from lessons that were learned from pain and suffering and grief and and trauma and all that sort of stuff so anybody who's listening who might be experiencing some of those things recognizing that it's all you know it's all soil for learning it's all soil for growth um and it's not easy it's that's one thing is that like anything that we've talked about today that may have sounded easy or like obvious or anything like that. I just want to really highlight that it hasn't been for me. Uh, and so if it doesn't feel easy for anybody listening, that's, that's okay. That's, uh, that's okay. It's all part of the process. And so, um, yeah, just my hope and wish for anybody who is listening is that uh, they have the strength and the courage and, and, and the joy that they're able to enjoy their ride that they're on too. And, uh, if they're struggling with any of it to seek support like yourself and, and the company and the great work that you guys do, like there's, there's places to turn. So uh, that would be my, my, my message to anybody listening. 
beautiful you know clarity is often preceded by chaos and i think it's so on point the way you've kind of rounded that up because it, it might be easy to to listen well sometimes it's not easy to actually even listen to a podcast like that in itself is a huge first step into awareness into growth which is incredible but sometimes i know it can be hard when you feel like you're in it to mm-hmm. hear some of this stuff right absolutely and- and just for anyone listening, and I and I'm, I'm sure you can probably resonate with this, Ryan. Is like I will li- I will listen back to probably to this episode because there's so much value in it, and I and I'll make sure I want to read that book that you, that you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. But like you'll get it more and more the more you lean into it. So even the words that we've shared today, and the energy behind them, the descriptions, we would have both taken something away from this conversation that reinforces it even more for us and we're we're quite a way down the road when it comes to a lot of the work that we're done and we're still got a way to go and i think it's really important for listeners also to to hear that and to know that it's not a point of arrival ever it's a constant work and it's okay no matter where you are right now is like you beautifully said enjoy the ride whether it's good or not right now whether it feels amazing or whether it doesn't feel so great then it's it's meant to be kind of how it is provided we are leaning into that awareness and remembering what we are capable of i love what you said there about um courage leaning into courage Mm. yeah yeah totally yeah sometimes we can't control the road but we can take care of the vehicle right and so sometimes it's as simple and difficult as that (laughs) (laughs) exactly all right ryan thank you so much for your time today where can our listeners come and find you to hear more from you yeah uh, i would say the best place is probably my website which is burkholdergeneral.com um i don't know if you list some of that in the show notes in terms of spelling and stuff uh same handle at instagram burkholdergeneral um those would be the best places and i would say that uh yeah, my practice right now is gaining more consistency with my engagement on on both of those platforms. So uh, I'm working on it. And uh, it's a work in progress. And so uh, that's where you can find me. And also, uh, if you notice inconsistency, uh, know that I'm probably compa- uh, practicing that compassion and discipline on my end as well. <laughs> I love that. Honestly, you were like a mirror to me today, Ryan. Um, okay. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. Very- in, in the same boat right now when it comes to social media i have a bit of a love hate relationship with it you know there's a necessary it's almost like necessary so. evil in some in some some way <laughs> but it's-, it's a it's a constant wrestling match for me for sure and uh yeah i i haven't found the balance with that yet so <laughs> but listen, I, I have no doubt that if any of our listeners come and reach out to you or come and follow you and um, that you'll get back to them so uh, thank you so yes much. absolutely Thank you for your time today. Um, I actually respect people more when they're not consistent, I have to say, when it comes to social media. I don't know whether that's a self thing. That's what I want to think for myself. Well, it's nice for me to hear. It's nice for me to hear. (laughs) And that there's other things take precedent. And and sometimes we forget that social media is a small slice of a much larger life, um, whether that be Mm. business, social, whatever. And I think sometimes we might always need that reminder. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And yes, so thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation today. And it very much feels like, you know, we're doing very similar work. And it just really feels like nice to know that somebody else is uh, doing, you know, what I care so much about somewhere else in the world. And so thank you for all the work that you do. And uh, thank you for this conversation. I've really, really enjoyed it.
right back at you Ryan right back at you you know the feeling is definitely mutual you're a beautiful guy you've got a beautiful soul and I really appreciate the value you're sharing and a shout out actually to our friend in common David Jurassic yes before um he's been on the podcast twice now actually on the last one he was talking about his, his book that come out so if you haven't already go and check out the episode with David Jurassic um I'll put the link to that actually in the show notes as well so a big shout out to David for introducing us um and connecting yes. Thank you. And side side note, today is actually David's birthday. So (laughs) this won't air on his birthday, but happy birthday, David, in like a different universe. (laughs) I'm going to send him some birthday energy that we give you. Yes, exactly, exactly. Awesome. Brilliant. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Our listeners, thank you so much for joining us again today. And we will see you again very soon. Take care.